The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Wow. Come on, y'all. Russell Wilson. Holy. Um, very exciting. Um, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, somebody asked me when we were at the combine, what do you look for in a quarterback? And I said that uh, tough, smart, accurate, athletic. I mean, you know, once we knew that uh, Russell could be available, uh, he was our number one target. He was our priority uh, through four of the offseason. We were going to do anything it took to get Russ. It's just unique that you can trade a, a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about winning it. I came here for one reason. I came here for one reason, and that's to win. That's what I believe in. So every day, what you're going to get from me is that mentality. You're going to get that juice. You're going to get that energy. You're going to get that focus. And we're going to do it together. All the guys back there are going to do it together. That's what it takes. But we're here for one thing. It's to win. It's to win at the highest level often. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the journey. And uh, Broncos country, let's ride. So, let's ride. Is that uh, the new Go Hawks? Let's ride. I like it. If it is, Miles Simmons, good afternoon. It's PFTPM. Let's ride. Hello. Let's ride. <laughs> let's ride, Mike. Yeah, I guess it's the new Go Hawks. I mean, is he is he getting on the saddle and riding a Bronco? Is that what that yes, means? Yes, exactly. Huh? Let's okay. ride. You don't ride a Seahawk. You don't ride a Seahawk. <laughs> you ride a Bronco. Yeah, or you drive one if you are, uh, you know, maybe one of those guys Aiden like Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson seems to want to, right? Ford Bronco, a great new car if uh, anybody from Ford is watching. It's great product placement for uh, the Ford Bronco that they're named the Broncos, but uh, I digress. Yeah. Russell Wilson introduced today, and y- you heard it in that clip, mm. the, what they've been selling for the last eight days, nine days. Uh-huh. Russell Wilson was the number one choice. Sorry, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson <laughs> was our choice. Come on, man. I mean, I look, I know that they need to create that impression. You don't want anyone thinking that you got your fallback, your plan B. And maybe, just maybe, maybe they did decide. I'm not going to say they're completely and totally lying, although lies have been everywhere this offseason. I just texted the PFT group that I'm going to write something later about how one of the Sunday splash reports late in the regular season was the Browns plan to move forward with Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback. And here we are two months later and they're throwing him to the curb. We'll talk on that coming up in the program, but, but maybe just maybe miles Simmons, maybe the Broncos with the information that was shared by Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach about the temperamental nature of Aaron Rodgers, his, indecisiveness on whether or not to keep playing. Maybe they just don't want that. Maybe they don't want somebody who's in the one year at a time phase of his career. If you're going to give up all that stuff, you want somebody who's all in. You want somebody who's going to be there for more than two or three years. Russell Wilson's going to be there more than two or three years. They're going to give him a contract next year that's going to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in football. It's going to tie the two sides together for four or five more into the future. So regardless, 
of relative abilities right now, and I would put Rodgers above Wilson, Wilson's going to be around a lot longer. That's true, and I like you playing devil's advocate on this, um, basically against yourself after saying that it's probably not their first choice. And frankly, I don't necessarily believe that Russell Wilson would have been their first choice over Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers gives you a chance to win that's better um, in this year and next year. And if he were to come to the Denver Broncos, I feel like he would have been more inclined to play a little bit longer. I mean, look, we know that quarterbacks, they start to, their, their ability starts to decline typically around the age that Aaron Rodgers is, unless you're Tom Brady and you somehow made a deal with the devil so that even when you retire, you decide 40 days later that it's not worth it because I'm still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, especially if I play in the NFC. So when I look at it now, it's like, yeah, Russell Wilson makes a lot of sense for the Denver Broncos, and especially with what you said. He's going to be around for a while. They can truly build around him now with the remaining picks that they have. And, I mean, you got to do it like the L.A. Rams, right? I mean, you have to hit on those lower round picks and make sure that the scouting is right, you know, so that when these guys come in, they can get coached up and they can become productive NFL players. And when you trade all these assets for somebody like Russell Wilson, that's what you're banking on. So we'll see if it works out. Well, and I mean, you're right. You're giving up two first round picks, two second round picks and multiple players, a guy that was acquired with the first round pick. So you've got to do that. And you also, you also have to win some ties in free agency like yeah. they did with Randy Gregory. And that that's an indication. You know, I don't know that you pull that off if you don't have Russell Wilson at quarterback. That's the kind of thing that can help you draw in guys who may have gone elsewhere. Here is Russell Wilson from earlier today, his introductory press conference. The trade became official at 4 p.m. Eastern. Wilson on being eager to follow in the footsteps of great Broncos quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls there in the past, John Elway and Peyton Manning. Here he is. I know John Elway's in the back. I, I used to watch him when I was a young kid, and, and uh, my dad used to always show me clips of him making plays. You know, two-sport athlete, you know. He was the epitome of two-sport athletes. He's, think about Peyton Manning, um, some, you know, the, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, there's been some greats along the way, and then other players as well that I've gotten to play uh, in my journey too as well, and some guys that are on our team that are some of the best in the game. Um, so it's, it's a true honor to be here and to be a Denver Bronco. I I think the mention of John Elway is fitting because it was 10 years ago that John Elway, then the general manager of the Denver Broncos, picked Brock Osweiler in round two while Russell Wilson was still on the board. And there's no way in hell John Elway was drafting a five foot 11 inch quarterback under any <laughs> set of circumstances. So two sport athlete, good aficionado of short quarterbacks, not good. That wasn't Elway, and you think about how it went for Osweiler and how it's gone now for Wilson and what they ultimately give up to get him after they could have had him 10 years ago, although who knows if it would have worked out for Russell Wilson because he would have sat on the bench for multiple years behind Peyton Manning, and he would have had a limited window to show what he can do, and it would have been a much different set of circumstances than what he saw in Seattle. Here is George Payton on his confidence regarding Russell Wilson being the guy who gets them where they want to go. You know, once we knew that uh, Russell could be available, uh, he was our number one target. He was our priority uh, through for the offseason. We were going to do anything it took to get Russ. It's just unique 
that you can trade of a, a quarterback, a franchise quarterback in his prime. And, and we just felt we had to, to take that chance. And, and just watching Russell this year, you know, once we realized he was available, you dig into the tape. You know, he has elite arm strength, elite accuracy. We feel he has the best deep ball in the NFL. And then you watch him off schedule, you know, in, in his eyes and in his instincts and in the playmaking uh, ability. And, uh, you know, the it factor that all the great quarterbacks has, Russ has. He's the best in the biggest moments. He's best, you know, in the end of the game to win the game. And then the durability he's had throughout his career is unparalleled. You know, the, he's, he started the first 165 games, if I'm not mistaken, which I think is sixth most by a quarterback uh, in NFL history. But the thing that really sets Russell apart is he's a winner. And no quarterback in their first 10 years in the league has won as many games as Russ. And here we are, we're bringing him to a team that is talented, that is hungry, that just needs to learn how to win. And, and we feel like he's going to get us to where we, we need to go. Oh, no. George Payton's getting fined. You're not allowed to say a quarterback's a winner. I mean, that got them Tim Tebow <laughs> 12 years ago, Miles. So... Do you think Russell Wilson is the guy to get the Broncos where they need to go? Well, I, I, I think he was the best quarterback available on the market. I mean, I certainly think he gives them a better chance to win than Drew Locke does or any of these quarterbacks that are probably available um, in, you know, with the early rounds of the draft. I, I, I don't anticipate that any of those guys are going to do what Russell Wilson did as a young QB, which is lead the team to the postseason, right? Lead the team to beating the brakes off the Broncos in the second season of his career. Now, obviously, the defense had a lot to do with that, and I'm not trying to disparage anything that that Legion of Boom did. But when you have a quarterback who's young like that and, you know, is able to come in and perform as well as he does, like that's something that you don't see every day. And it's not something that you can bank on from a rookie, all right, or even just a young quarterback. So with the Broncos are where they are right now and with the market being the way it is, I don't know that there is any better option out there for them than to go and to get somebody like Russell Wilson. Does that make them the best team in the AFC West? I'm not crowning them that. No. I mean, until Kansas City gets knocked off from that perch, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything bad about the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know that the Chargers have made a ton of moves too, and I think that they're good moves, but I'm not crowning them either. And we can't discount the Raiders, right? You know, they did some great things under a horrible set of circumstances last year with Derek Carr as their QB, and now they've got McDaniels as their head coach. So I, I got to wait and see, but I think for all of the options that were out there, the, the Broncos did a good job of getting the best one available. Chris Sims and I were talking about this earlier today, Miles. I'll put it to you. You got 10 bucks in your pocket to wager. Chiefs or the field as the AFC West champion 2022 which one are you taking? Chiefs. They have Patrick Mahomes. Wow. Wow. I didn't even hesitate. See, I always, nope. I'm always partial to the field. I'm always partial to the field because so much can happen. And that's why I told Sims. Over time, the, the traditional standard approach needs to be take the field, take the field, because so many factors can get in the way. And these teams are getting better, and I was impressed with what the Raiders did, bringing in Chandler Jones at a time when they're trying to retool their roster. They're not messing around. I mean, Chandler Jones and – Max Crosby, and you, you've got you've got bookend pass rushers for everyone but the Chiefs. That's high end, although they got Chris Jones on the inside and Frank Clark on the outside. They still need another outside guy, but these teams are putting together the pass rushers and the quarterbacks. All right, uh, speaking of quarterback, let's move forward to the 
Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. And I say that with some trepidation because I know that there is a chance that once <laughs> I let Miles go on Mayfield, the next thing I know, it will be 6 o'clock Eastern and we will be off the air while Miles blows through the heart out like I've heard some people do on radio before, and I may have done that myself once or twice. So on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, I thought of the – it is, I know. I thought of the – it's one day after Playmakers came out. That's how I'm viewing it. It's like – Oh, yeah, congrats on that, This is one day – yeah, if you haven't heard. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. um, You're a lawyer too, right? (laughs) On Tuesday. But somehow I got a law degree without going to Columbia. On Tuesday, I thought that the effort to get Deshaun Watson was, from the Browns, kind of maybe a warning shot at Baker Mayfield – but an acknowledgement that he's Deshaun Watson. He's a top five franchise quarterback and Baker Mayfield isn't. Fine. Okay. You know, we can we can get past this if we need to. By today, I, I they're done with Baker Mayfield. And Chris Mortensen said earlier today on ESPN they want an adult in the room at the position. They're done. It's over. Now, now, the part of me that's always rooting for a good story likes the idea of Mayfield being traded. But I also really like the idea of Mayfield coming back with this kind of stuff out there. Talk about chaos this year in Cleveland. So I think at this point they have to move Baker Mayfield, and they have to be pretty confident they've got someone that they can offload the $18.8 million contract to. And look look, look at what, it, what happened last week. Russell Wilson gets traded the next step down as Carson Wentz. This week Deshaun Watson makes a decision more on that in a minute. If the next step down is Baker Mayfield, I mean, who else is it? Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm probably taking Mayfield over Garoppolo, although I would think that one through pretty carefully because, again, you got to have Mayfield in a spot where he's happy because if he's not happy, he's got the potential to be a major pain in the butt, Miles. Oh, well, yeah. And listen, Mike, I, I, I felt like as soon as these reports came out that the Browns were going to take a private jet to go down to Houston and kiss the rear end of Deshaun Watson so that he could potentially pick them, then that was going to be it for Baker Mayfield and the Browns. And, you know, I've been hearing things, love reports about this kind of thing for a really long time, basically, in Cleveland that Baker Mayfield may have taken his last snap for the Browns in that Monday night game that they played against the Steelers. And part of the reason is that the Browns are sick of the immaturity and Baker Mayfield appears sick of whatever is going on with the front office and with the coaching staff. It just seemed like these two were headed for an inevitable divorce. And so that's why, I mean, I put it out there yesterday. I mean, when you see that they're going down, that they're taking a private jet to go look at Baker Mayfield's replacement, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I don't want to be there anymore, especially given the circumstances as to why Deshaun Watson was not playing football in 2021. If you don't want me, fine, but I don't want to be here either. And that's why I just got the sense that there was going to be this inevitable divorce. And so it's fine. I think that the Browns have every single right in the world to try to upgrade their quarterback position, even if it is with somebody who has you know, 22 civil lawsuits still pending against him like Deshaun Watson does because he is an elite quarterback in this league. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? And also, if you're Baker Mayfield and you see that, well, yeah, I don't really want to be somewhere where they have not committed to me, where they picked up my fifth-year option, but they have not really extended me sort of any sort of offer of a contract extension. And if they did, who knows what it would be? All right, so 
all of this just kind of adds up to, yeah, it makes sense that the Browns want to move on, and it makes sense that Baker Mayfield wants to move on. But I, I would also say this. Well, we got to remember that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, despite the fact that they were in their respective roles in 2020, when the Browns went to the playoffs and they won a playoff game for you know the second time-ish in my lifetime, the first time since they've been back since 1999, they did not pick Baker Mayfield at number one overall. All right, that was John Dorsey who was the GM back then, and Hugh Jackson was the head coach. Okay, so we're talking a few regimes ago at this point. So if they want an adult in the room, somebody who's going to go shake hands with the Lions and then uh, you know actually speak to the media after your team wins a game, I think it makes sense. If they want somebody who is not just going to blurt to the media, I decide when I play, I think it makes sense. It just makes sense to me, for everybody involved, that the Browns got to move on and Mayfield's got to move on too. Well, and I look at it this way, Miles, and I made this point during the season. If we as the media and as the fans are aware of these incidents that are alarming, when he says the things he says from time to time, does the things he does, at one point he talked about issues in 2021, and he mentioned internal things that were problematic. And Mary Kate Cabot at the Cleveland Plain Dealer did a great job of listing the things that Mayfield was upset about, and some of them are extremely petty and trivial and not adult, right? I, if if you see that stuff, if that much gets out to the public eye, it is fair to assume that what's going on behind the scenes isn't any better. And I came to the conclusion at some point, November, December-ish of 21, this guy's a major pain in the ass for the Cleveland Browns, and he's not good enough to overcome it. Aaron Rodgers is good enough to overcome being a major pain in the ass for Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy. Baker Mayfield isn't, and it's that simple. It is that simple. And, you know, you mentioned that game, his last game with the Browns, apparently, the Monday night at Heinz Field. And I remember at one point while watching that game, there was a shot of Baker Mayfield, and it dawned on me, as he looks over at what's going on for Ben Roethlisberger, does he understand that's never happening for him in Cleveland, ever, ever going to happen for him in Cleveland? And if that's the case, time to move on to a place where you have a chance of that happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you, you mentioned this with the Aaron Rodgers thing, and my old broadcast partner, DeMarco Farr, used to always say this. Production equals tolerance, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the back-to-back MVP of this league. So that's why you're going to tolerate whatever you know, drama he wants to put out there in order to have him as your quarterback because he is going to give you a great chance to win a Super Bowl if they could get there. But with Baker Mayfield, I mean, it's like the the Shireen principle, right? You know, we talked about the the shoulder with Baker Mayfield and how he put himself in harm's way in order to hurt that shoulder. But if you are not hurt, then you stink. And that's kind of what it was this year for Baker Mayfield. And he talked about being beat up and doing this and that. And, you know, he said in in his little uh, Apple note that he posted to social media last night that he gave everything he had. And I frankly, I really believe that. And I always commend guys for going out there and trying to play hurt. But you still have to be productive. And Baker Mayfield was not productive. If not for his four interceptions against the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day, Browns probably would have beat the Green Bay Packers. They outplayed them. 
But Baker Mayfield just couldn't stop turning the ball over. If Case Keenum's playing that game, who knows, right? I mean, what, what's going to happen there? Because you at least have somebody who's not turning the ball over. So I, I understand, like I said, all sides of this and why things need to change for the Cleveland Browns and for Baker Mayfield. He has all the traits of the highly functioning, type AA positive, alpha, 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 territorial, don't touch my job, don't even consider. I mean, look how he was last year. He's not coming off the field because he doesn't want Case Keenan to come in and play well. He has all those traits, but he doesn't play well enough to back it up. He's Brett Favre in his mindset. Brett Favre has said for years he was never – coming off the field he was never missing a game because he didn't want to give the next guy the chance to try to take his job the problem is baker mayfield isn't good enough to pull that off i mean that that's it plain and simple and i like yeah. the personality i like the character i don't mean character like integrity and character i mean he adds spice and flavor to the nfl yeah. i i'm not the one in whose ass he is a pain right it's not much flavor when you're dealing with the guy in Cleveland all the time, and I could imagine Kevin Stefanski had had enough of Baker Mayfield pretty quickly. And that's the other side of it, Miles. Let's do this. Let's play this game. We got a little time here. Where's he go? Where's he go? Who takes him? Because the Texans, according to Mary Kay Cabot, don't want him. So who takes Baker Mayfield and pays him $18.8 million fully guaranteed in 2022? I mean, it's probably one of the losers of this Deshaun Watson sweepstakes if the Browns win it. Right. I mean, maybe it's the Saints. They're they're used to dealing with QBs who are six feet and under. You know, Pete Carmichael's done a great job with that. So he's one of their one option. The Panthers obviously need somebody that's better than Sam Darnold. And I mean, we can say whatever we want about Baker Mayfield, but he's obviously better than Sam Darnold. Okay. I mean, I, I have no qualms about saying that. The Colts are another good option for him. I think he could be all right in Frank Reich's offense. Um, and maybe, you know, it's even the Seattle Seahawks. I think Chris Mortensen mentioned them as well so th- there should be a market for baker mayfield i mean 18 million for a quarterback is really not that bad in today's quarterback market when the top guys are getting you know 40 45 50 plus if you're talking about rogers so i mean i i think that there should be a market for him and i would say that i think the baker mayfield revenge tour is going to be great i bet he will play so well in his next destination because he has that kind of motivation. He's got the biggest chip on his shoulder that we've ever seen. All right, so I, I don't really have any qualms about like going after a guy like this, as long as you can provide him with the right environment, the right offense, the right coach that's going to make sure that he's going to be playing at the top of his game and that mentally he's going to be in the right place to channel that big chip that he's got on his shoulder into a good performance. Yeah, you mentioned quarterback six feet and under. Baker Mayfield will make it his mission to put the Browns literally six feet under if and when he goes elsewhere. And too bad, too bad the Steelers already have Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. Too bad that's already happened. Wouldn't that have been something? Not that the Browns would (laughs) trade him there, but if you have nowhere else to go, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. We never know. I mean, if Trubisky stinks up the room, right, and Mayfield doesn't sign an extension with whatever team it is, there's certainly the possibility that the Steelers could go after him in free agency. And he could end up getting the ending in Pittsburgh that he witnessed Ben Roethlisberger get. That would be freaking poetic if that would happen. I like the idea of Baker Mayfield in the NFC West with his good friend Kyler Murray. 
I interviewed yeah. Kyler Murray when he was coming out of the draft, and on his phone, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, he's calling him every two minutes. I mean, they are close, close friends, and they are in this similar predicament because, Miles, I think this entire Baker Mayfield thing boils down to after he put three years in the NFL, the Browns were not willing to pay him $40 million a year. They wanted to wait. They don't want to give him what he wants, and he was pissed off that they didn't give him what he wanted, and the Browns kind of drawing that line in the sand, and it forced Mayfield to become sufficiently rankled that it, 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 it led to this. Murray's in the same spot right now with the Arizona Cardinals, but the idea that two of those guys in the same division playing each other twice a year would be extremely entertaining. Here's the team that I am most fascinated by. Are you ready? Because yeah. I mentioned it. There's two teams I'm intrigued by. One is the Raiders okay. because Josh McDaniels worked out Baker Mayfield before the draft in 2018. But, you know, he's now got four years of film. And I think Josh McDaniels probably says, I'll stick with Derek Carr. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. I don't want Baker Mayfield. Okay. You mentioned John Dorsey earlier. You know where John Dorsey is right now, don't you? Well, I don't know. D- I don't actually exactly. Buddy boy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. get, get me a get me a white sweatshirt that has Detroit <laughs> Lions on it in kind of, you know, pastelish Honolulu blue, mouthful of bubble gum, and let's go, buddy boy. And who be objective here, because I know you're a Jared Goff guy. You're the one. Uh, Jared Goff <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Which guy of those two? Which guy fits the Dan Campbell Lions? Oh, oh, well. Is it even close? I mean, Do you even have to think? I mean, okay, I mean, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, you wanted somebody who's going to bite a bleeping kneecap off? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, yes. It's Baker Mayfield, I know. But, yes. But, 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 but Jared Goff, like, he didn't play poorly toward the end of the season. I can't, I can't even hear myself do it, man. Like, yeah, it, it would make sense if they did go after Baker Mayfield for, like, that specific reason. A guy that's tough. He, you know, in that note he posted last night, he's talking about the blue-collar mentality. You're going up, what, two and a half, three hours from Cleveland to Detroit? That same sort of rust belt mentality that Dan Campbell is trying to instill, you know? Oh, yeah, the, the guy that's going to take a punch to the jaw and then come right back up and then bite a kneecap off. And if that's not enough, then we're going to bite another kneecap off and then we're going to find something else to bite off. Yeah, I think that that would fit Baker Mayfield. Well, and and th- think about think about this. I'm going to move right past that last part. Think about this. The uh, <laughs> to the extent that Baker Mayfield is a pain in the ass, to the extent he's a little prickly, to the extent he can be a little bit of a bully. Dan Campbell will slap that out of him literally quickly. Dan Campbell is the one coach who will get him under control and point him in the right direction. Also, they play every year. Yeah, exactly. Well, he'll get down on his knees and and then he'll take care of Baker Mayfield. Um, Let me say this. They play every year in the preseason, the Lions and the Browns, and they actually have a trophy. You know what the trophy is, don't you? It's the The Cleveland Steamer. That's the I trophy. I would to call it the barge. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, think about things are going to move right past. But, uh, but, well, hey, all of a sudden, there's a preseason game that is extremely compelling. The Lions and the Browns with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't know where they're playing that game this year. But anyway, uh, I, I am rooting for Baker Mayfield to be traded to the Lions. The Colts are another possibility, too. 
And you're talking about $18.8 million. It's not a huge yes. commitment. The problem is, what do you do after this year? But some of these teams, I mean, you look at the Colts. They're going one year at a time through quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers and then Carson Wentz. And I'll give Baker Mayfield a year and see how it goes. Worst case scenario is he plays really well. You franchise tag him and you sign him after that. Well, a good problem, good problem to have, right? I always say the, go, the best problem to have is no problem. But for the Colts, who have been desperate to find a quarterback, I mean, they're, they're working on the Browns jersey of their own with name after name after mm-hmm. name since Andrew Luck retired. Uh, Colts could do a lot worse than Baker Mayfield. Look, I, I don't dislike Baker Mayfield. I'm just realistic about what I've seen and what I've heard. And he has been immature. And he has been a problem for the media. He has been a problem for teammates and for the team. You can just see it. We, we, yes. He's different than other quarterbacks that way. And I, 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 I wish him well, and I hope he goes to a place where he fits with what they're doing and he can mature. And it takes a guy like Dan Campbell to mature a guy who, who does have a little bit of punk still in him. And he kind of does because at Oklahoma, he was kind of a punk and it served him well. In his early years with Cleveland, he was kind of a punk and it served him well. At some point, the punk's got to grow up. Well, right, exactly. And look, I, I don't dislike Baker Mayfield either. I mean, I, I think that he's done some really nice things in the community in, in Cleveland. And that's something that's, you know, near and dear to my heart since I grew up there. But I still think that when you're talking about performance versus a person, that's what we're doing here, right? You know, and the performance simply has not been good enough for the Browns to look past all of the other things that we've been talking about. And when you have somebody who's immature, and you're dealing with two people in Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry as the coach and GM of the Cleveland Browns, who are some of the most level-headed people probably that you've got in the NFL. Uh, they, that's just the way they operate. I, I understand why a lot of these things have graded on them and why they feel like if they've got a chance to upgrade at quarterback, then they're going to go and do it, right? Whether it's with Deshaun Watson, whether it's with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo may not be an upgrade for all teams, over somebody like Baker Mayfield, but for the Browns in their specific situation, I think that it probably would be. Um, I definitely have an idea of what I'm going to get you for your next birthday. I'm going to find a replica oh boy. of the of the Barge Trophy. I'm going to find that. <laughs> I'll put it up here. But it shop. won't. But it won't have the barge etched onto the plate. It'll have a different name. Let's take a break. Oh when we return. On the same day that the Broncos officially said hello to Russell Wilson at a press conference, the Seahawks are saying goodbye in a flurry of statements. And there's a theme that comes through those statements. We'll tell you what that theme is when PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider due to meet with the media any minute now, but both of those gentlemen and the owner of the team, Jody Allen, issued statements through the Seahawks today. And, Miles, the one common thread through all three is, put simply, Russell Wilson wanted out. And 
We didn't think he did this year because there weren't any passive-aggressive comments. There were no leaks by his agent of the teams to which he'd accept the trade. He worked it all behind the scenes, and he got it done. And it makes it more clear that the Pete Carroll no-intention-to-trade-Russell-Wilson line from a couple of weeks ago was more of a lie than a statement of present mindset. They were working with the Broncos actively at that point to give Russell Wilson what he wanted. Oh, yeah. And look, I mean, this is something that I mean, we kind of mentioned it with Andrew Barry and and, um, and Kevin Stefanski with Baker Mayfield, right? Like p- coaches and general managers, when they're at press conferences, they're not always telling us the truth, especially when it comes to quarterback and potential quarterback movement. So, yeah, the whole no intention of trading Russell Wilson thing, that that was some bull. Let's hear it directly, though, from the new quarterback of the Denver Broncos on whether he wanted out of Seattle. Here he is from earlier today. I did initiate it. It was definitely mutual uh, along the way. There's definitely been a lot of conversations. It hasn't been I initiated anything, but it is what it is. I'm, exci- I'm happy to be here. That's all I know. Uh, obviously, I'm happy about the 10 years I've had, but I think that, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we'll have to read about it later. We'll have some fun maybe with my book one day. We'll have some good stories. Don't call it playmakers, Russ. Cease and desist. Uh, Look, (laughs) it's tomato, tomato. I didn't initiate it. It was mutual. Well, they initiated it because they never used me the way that I wanted to be used, and I told them time and again that I want to be Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and they never did it, so they basically initiated it because they never used me. Because that's what it all comes down to. Somebody's got to start the conversation, don't they? Right. You know, my girlfriend broke up with me when I was in high school. I mean, we said that it was mutual, or I said it was mutual, but somebody had to start the conversation, and guess what? It wasn't really me. But you don't need to say that all the time. So, I mean, like, look, something is the way it is here. So somebody's got to start it, and I don't necessarily think that the Seattle Seahawks, having won a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson, are just always going to be like, oh, yeah, we we need to stop this right now. I mean, somebody had to start the conversation, and I bet it was him, but then they probably realized, all right, well, if this is what he wants and this is what we can get for him, then let's do it and let's move on. And as we said last week, now was the time to do it because if you try to trade him next year as he's preparing to make his push for another contract, you're going to get less for him because the new team is stepping into that obligation to pay him $50 million plus per year. And, hey, now – with Aaron Rodgers at $61.9 million in new money average, and I know it's not a traditional extension, but still, you're going to do a new, new money analysis of the first three years of this deal. It's $61.9 million. Uh, the price for the Broncos keeping Russell Wilson has gone up. So uh, that, that's what the Broncos have signed on for, and we'll see how it goes. And they're, they're going all in. i got to respect the effort, and we'll see how it goes for the Seahawks as well as they try to – move forward with Drew Locke, and surely it won't be Drew Locke. I'm surprised the Seahawks didn't come to the table for Deshaun Watson. We're down to four teams. Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Browns, Miles, and Jay Glazer reported earlier today that basically we're we're waiting for the puff of white smoke from the chimney at the Vatican at this point. Deshaun Watson needs to pick a team, that everything else is in place. He just needs to pick a team. It's kind of like what Aaron Rodgers did last week, even though the Packers denied it. The Packers, through Dave Dunn, Rodgers' agent, had an understanding in place as to what the trades would be for the various teams he could have played for. He just needed to pick one. The difference here is the current team is not one of the options for Deshaun Watson. It's one of these four. I don't rule out somebody swooping in 11th hour, and that would fit with what the Eagles do, not just because Eagles tend to swoop, but because the Eagles football team has done that in the past. But for now, 
Panthers, Falcons, Saints, or Browns, and it's just up to Deshaun Watson to pick one. Where where would you pick, Mike, if you were Deshaun Watson and you had those four teams? What sounds best to you? Well, I would call Howie Roseman and I would say, are you sure you don't want to try to get me? Because the Eagles would be my first <laughs> choice if I was Deshaun Watson, frankly. The Browns, yes, as it relates to the current status of the team and where they're going. But I don't want to be in the AFC. And I don't want to be in the AFC North with Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. So uh, the Saints, I think, are the most fascinating to me because they were still very competitive last year without Drew Brees. They now don't have Sean Payton. And what is so compelling about the Saints being in this for Deshaun Watson, I can tell you, if Sean Payton was there, they would not be in it. Sean Payton was Hmm. not a Deshaun Watson guy. They could have drafted him. They could have drafted him with the 11th overall pick. Of course, the Browns could have, too, in 2017. They could have emerged from the first round of that draft with Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson. Are you kidding me? Is that right? That is right. Holy crap. What a first round that would have been. That would have made up for the first round that the – that the Ravens had in 1996, their first draft after Green. So, uh, <laughs> um, and, and really, hey, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson, uh, Jonathan Ogden, Ray Lewis, I don't know. Maybe it would have been even better, but uh, I digress. I like the idea of Watson with the Saints. It changes the offense, and that's the thing. Like the Browns' offense, it changes. The offense is more run-centric in Cleveland, not with Deshaun Watson. In New Orleans, it's the precision passing game. Very controlled, very methodical, and Drew Brees ran like that like no one could. It's very different when you got someone with Deshaun Watson's skill set. Well, I, I don't think that just because Deshaun Watson comes in doesn't mean that things shouldn't be as run-centric and run-heavy. Right? If the Browns are at their peak, then, yeah, you're probably passing to get the lead, and then you're running with Kareem Hunt and also Nick Chubb, obviously, in order to keep that lead and make sure that you're not giving possessions away at the end of the game. But, I I mean, one of the things that they were missing in the passing game was the accuracy, and I think Deshaun Watson has shown that before, right? This guy is an elite quarterback. He is an elite passer of the football. So if you have somebody like that, it really can make your running game that much better. And if you've got a running game like the Browns do, it can make your passing that much better. So, I mean, I... I understand exactly why the Browns would interest Deshaun Watson, especially now that they've got a receiver like Amari Cooper. I mean, man, that, that, that could be a really, really good offensive skill position group. When you talk about Chubb and Hunt and Amari Cooper and Ajoku is starting to flash a little bit more if we put the franchise tag on him. I, I get the appeal for Deshaun Watson there. And, and frankly, I think that that could vaunt the Cleveland Browns into being one of those really good AFC teams. And we know what the Bills are, what all these teams in the AFC West are doing in their arms race. And yes, obviously, I anticipate Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson to keep those two teams in Baltimore and Cincinnati uh, you know, at the top of their game. But who's to say Cleveland can't be one of those teams if they've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson? And you know what? Just from the standpoint of sitting down and talking to Deshaun Watson – Frankly, I kind of think that Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the team, and Andrew Berry, the GM, they've got the right personality to connect with Deshaun Watson because he's kind of a quiet, understated guy. They come off as kind of quiet, understated guys. And to the extent that, that Watson is just looking for that connection, 
maybe there's something there that happened when they sat down, but we won't know until Watson reflects on the four meetings and makes a decision. I still don't know what the Falcons are thinking. And, you know, for as much damage as the pursuit of Deshaun Watson does to the Baker Mayfield-Cleveland Browns relationship, I, I, I think Matt Ryan just kind of shrugs. at the, I'm like, what do you do? I, right. I, and and I, I still don't get it. I don't know how you justify $55 million cap charge by trading Matt Ryan, unless, un, unless, could it could it be that they just keep both guys for a year, and and ask the commissioner go ahead and do your best or your worst to Deshaun Watson now, so that this is free and clear by twenty three, and that's when we'll actually play him. I don't I I don't imagine anybody is even considering not playing Deshaun Watson right out of the gates, but. It just makes no sense the Falcons would want him. And at first I thought the Falcons were doing it to force the Saints and Panthers to give up more. But if, as it appears, the Texans pre-negotiated these deals with the teams that met with Watson, it's not like the Falcons being around is going to force anybody to give up anything more than what they already gave up. They've already been qualified to do the trade. Right, exactly. I mean, I guess it's just one of those situations, and I've seen some of the reporting, that it's Arthur Blank, is fond of Deshaun Watson. And, you know, Deshaun Watson is from around Atlanta in that Georgia area. So that, I guess, is part of it, you know, where you be bringing a guy ostensibly kind of back home to his home state. And maybe that's, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really get it either. I mean, financially, it doesn't really make any sense. Football-wise, it kind of makes sense. But also, if you're Deshaun Watson and you're looking at the wide receiving room and the skill players that uh, the Falcons have, I mean, other than Kyle Pitts, like, wh- what are we doing here? So, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not really that enamored with uh, the Panthers' skill position players either. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, yes, he's terrific when he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy in two years. EJ Moore, he's all right. He's a pretty good receiver. He's a solid receiver. Robbie Anderson totally fell off last year. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going on there. I mean, at least with the Saints, like you've got proven commodities and somebody like Alvin Kamara. You know? So I, I, that at least makes a little more sense to me. But yeah, if it, I, the Falcons don't. I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the Saints as the pick if I'm him. Although the Browns, I, it's just that A. I don't want that AFC. I'm, and I know the true competitors you really want to and- go. Iron sharpens uh, iron and all that stuff. I at least, I at least am. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at the place where I at least have a chance to, to get to where I want to be. And it's going to be hard to get where you want to be in the AFC and in the AFC North. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I, I think from that standpoint, I agree with you. I mean, the Saints have a program. They are established. Right? You're not going into some place that might be a lame duck situation with Carolina. And then who knows what's going to happen after this year. You're not going to some place like Cleveland where things may work out. They may not work out in terms of, you know, getting to the postseason even because of all the great quarterbacks who are there and all the really solid teams who are there in the AFC. So, yeah, I, and, uh, the, Sa- the Saints make a lot of sense. They really do. But we'll see exactly what he chooses. All right, let's take a break. When we return, plenty more news from the first official day of the new league year, but the third day of free agency. We'll discuss that when PFTPM continues right after this. If you need help filling out your NCAA men's tournament bracket, NBC Sports Edge, you covered with Bet the Edge, brackets and bets on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Advice on every first-round game and best bets for the entire tournament. Check it out at the NBC Sports Edge YouTube 
channel. All right. The Las Vegas Raiders doing their best to ensure that they have great bookends at pass rusher like the Chargers do, like the Broncos do, and like the Chiefs kind of do, although Chris Jones moved back inside. They kept Frank Clark. The Raiders pick up Chandler Jones to go along with Max Crosby. We talked about that earlier, but, you know, it just tells me that the Raiders are not accepting any notion that they're going to be rebuilding. They are retooling on the fly and we'll see how quickly they can get that roster to where they want it to be. Yeah, I, honestly, Mike, I, I love this move. I mean, I love watching Chandler Jones play. I think he's one of these guys that's just perennially underrated as an edge guy, kind of like Cam Jordan down there in New Orleans. I bet you just, you watch him play. He can be a game record. He always commands attention too. And now that he's going to Las Vegas with the Raiders, he's going to play with his old position coach in Patrick Graham. That's who was coaching him when he came in through the league um, with the New England Patriots. So I think it's a great fit. I think it's going to be something that we will really see Chandler Jones excel. And also when he's playing opposite Max Crosby, I think both of those guys have a lot of potential to be really, really good and cause a lot of offensive coordinators to stay awake at night trying to figure out how in the world you're going to command, uh, you're going to give these guys the attention that they both command on the edge. And with Chandler Jones joining the Raiders, Yannick Ngakwe becomes expendable. He's traded to the Colts straight up for cornerback Rock Yassin. And, hey, look, the Colts, if they only had a quarterback, I'd feel pretty good about them. They, they, <laughs> they have a, a good roster on both sides of the ball, except for the most important position in the entire sport. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because they gave up on Carson Wentz. And when your team owner is standing outside his jet apologizing for stuff, that's exactly what you have to do. Uh, but I also I like this move for the Colts, too, because honestly, all of us should be able to find somebody who loves them as much as Gus Bradley apparently loves Ngakwe because he helped draft him in 2016, brought him there to Las Vegas last year. Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. And now that Bradley is with the Colts, he's bringing Ngakwe there to Indianapolis. And it's something that the Colts had to do. They had to improve their pass rush. They've been relying on a lot of young guys in order to get that pass rush done hasn't quite worked as well as they would like. So now you're bringing in somebody who has a lot of experience in the system, got double-digit sacks last year. I think it's going to be a really good addition for the Colts defense. And Gakwe is the guy that Dante Fowler Jr. was supposed to be. He was the third overall yes. pick that same year in Jacksonville. And, you know, Ngakwe has been around a lot recently. Um, I think <laughs> somebody, somebody mentioned on Twitter that he's the Brandon Cooks of of edge rushers. Uh, I think that was you. Uh, and it's a great observation. He's been, he's been traded <laughs> yeah. a lot, a lot, but he wasn't happy in Jacksonville. He got out to Minnesota. Then he went to Baltimore. Then he went to Vegas. And now he goes to Indianapolis. Um, the uh, Tennessee Titans last year, big splash with the trade for Julio Jones. It happened after June one for cap reasons. And it never worked. I'm not surprised that I mean, I expected this. This, I mean, I know it's news because they're putting it out there now and somebody's reporting on it, but the only real surprise would have been if they had kept Julio Jones. He was a major disappointment in his one year with the Titans, and by all appearances, it's over for Julio Jones. Well, right, and yeah, I mean, I think that maybe somebody's going to pick him up, but boy, I mean, he's had two such down years. He never could get a hamstring right. It just seemed like, you know, and when you are such a talented guy, 
and you can't play at your peak anymore. I imagine that that's probably tough for Julio Jones just personally. But at the same time, I mean, like you said, Mike, it, this this trade just did not work out like at all. The 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 Titans probably would have been better off if they just kept Corey Davis. And I know Corey Davis went through some injury issues last year too. But in terms of trying to replace guys like Davis and Jonu Smith, the Titans didn't do it. And I really think that's part of why the interceptions went up with Ryan Tannehill. He just did not have the kind of reliable targets that he'd had on that offense before. So, you know, now that Julio Jones is gone there, I I think it's better for the Titans to realize let's not double down on this mistake. Let's move on and let's see how we can really start to fill those roles because they need a second receiver opposite A.J. Brown, and they also need a good tight end for Ryan Tannehill. I remember back in 2018 when the Falcons were enduring some contractual difficulties with Julio Jones. I tried to figure out exactly what was going on. And, you know, he was getting to the point where he knew there wasn't much time left in his career to maximize his earnings. He had been developing friendships with some really, really, really rich people. He had an urgency to get more money. And I th- and look, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm not passing judgment. But you have a way to make a lot of money, and that's playing football in the NFL. The problem is the production hasn't been there. So it's hard to make that kind of money if you've fallen off. And he's a you know, big physical guy, and he may hit the wall before other guys do, and that's going to be the challenge. So for him, I think, Miles, and – Plenty of great players who once made a lot of money end up in this spot where they have to decide, is what I'm offered worth it? Is it worth it to me to keep playing? Is it beneath me to play for $2 million a year, or do I just move on? And I think that's going to be his threshold question because I just don't think the money's going to be there in the way that he may think it should be. It shouldn't be, though. I mean, based on what the last two years have been, he's only played 19 regular season games over the past two years. I mean, this year, you're looking at the Titans. I mean, it was easily his worst year in terms of production, only 31 catches, 434 yards, one touchdown in 10 games. Right? And he had only one game of over 100 yards, and that was early in the season when they played the Seattle Seahawks. So I don't know what the market's going to be for Julio Jones. I think that there is certainly going to be teams out there that would take a flyer on him, but you're right. It's going to be for him. Is this worth it for me to continue playing football if I'm playing at this salary level? And I I just don't know why anybody would take a really big chance on him with a big salary at this point. And, you know, and I want to be very careful how I phrase this because one of the things that I try to project in playmakers is a sensitivity to what players go through and from a health and safety standpoint what it takes to line up and play every week in the NFL. But I think the Falcons were starting to get to the point where they wondered, could he really play and is he just choosing not to play because he's not being paid what he thinks he should be getting paid? And you have to wonder when he went to Tennessee and didn't get a new contract on his way through the door, was there a residual element of that where these – injuries that are keeping him from playing are they really thing and that's always going to be a question it's going to be an issue it's going to be a concern from time to time and I say that because if he would get a contract that makes him happy I don't know maybe he maybe he he finds a fountain of youth and he starts playing a lot better because he plays through injuries that in the past he didn't but again I'm always I'm always concerned about that because you only know if you're the guy and the team can have a perspective but its perspective can be skewed by the fact that they want the guy on the field so, yeah. so they're, they're going to be more inclined naturally to say, why the hell aren't you out there, especially if you have any old-school football mindset in your organization. Darius Williams, cornerback, signing a deal with the Jaguars. He's the guy that the Rams used the first round 
restricted free agency tender on last year and surprised everyone. The Patriots used second round on J.C. Jackson. Rams go first round on Darius Williams. Spend more money than they need to because no one was going to sign him to a restricted free agent offer sheet and give up a second round pick. But now he leaves altogether. Three-year deal worth $30 million, $18 million guaranteed. He becomes the seventh free agent signed by the Jaguars. Your thoughts on Williams getting a fresh start? Well, I mean, first of all, if they use the first-round tender and then the Rams didn't make the playoffs, it'd be one thing, but they won the Super Bowl, so who cares, right? I mean, that's exactly why you make moves. You try to win the Super Bowl, and they did it, so good for them. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a nice story for Williams, you know, who was not a guy that was highly touted at pretty much any point in his career. Now he does get to go home, and he gets a nice little guaranteed salary. He's from the Jacksonville area, so I, I think – it's good for him. And for Jacksonville, this is the kind of thing you really have to do in order to get yourself out of football Siberia. Spend, spend, spend. You're not going to hit on all these guys, but I think when you have Darius Williams, who's used to being targeted like he was because he was opposite Jalen Ramsey, like that's something that you can probably bring to a new team. And you're like, oh, this is a little bit different over here because things are a little bit more balanced in terms of where they target us on defense. So good story for him, you know, getting to go home and make all that money. Uh, let's move on to some of the questions we have today. And we may boot some of these over to tomorrow because we have talked a lot this hour and we don't have much left in the hour. How about this one? Merit 2791860. It's always important to get the numbers right on the back end of a mm-hmm. handle when there's that many. Going forward on fourth down was a major strategic addition to the league. What's next along those lines for offenses? Is it no more punting? Is it squib kicks? And, you know, several years ago, the talk was the kickoff is the most dangerous play in the league. And the former lawyer in me, as he used to practice law, always would hear that and say, why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you telling people that? Just get rid of it. Don't, it's the most dangerous play in the league. And now they're saying the punt's the most dangerous play in the league. I don't know what the alternative is to punting. Maybe it is just go for it on fourth down. Wouldn't that be something? We're just getting rid of the punt. We're just, you got four downs. That's it. Uh, a squ- I don't know how you do a squib kick in punt formation, but, uh, Miles, it, it sure looks like they're considering something. And a few years ago, the urgency got the special teams coordinators to come up with a kickoff configuration that did make it safer. I don't know right. what you do with punt formation to make it safer, but that seems to be what they're hoping the special teams coordinators do. Yeah, and, you know, these special teams coordinators are really creative, and they can figure something out, I, I would like to think, that would help things out in that arena. But I, I'm telling you, man, if you're looking, thinking about being a punt returner, that's one of the scariest jobs in all of sports. You got all kinds of guys just darting right at you, usually nine at least, if not 10 or 11. You know, I mean, usually the punter is back there is kind of the angel and he's supposed to tackle the guy if he absolutely has to. But I, I don't know what you're supposed to do necessarily to make that safer, but I, I would like to think that some of these special teams coordinators can come up with something. Uh, last one real quickly, PFTPM Posse. Do you think that the Cowboys or Randy Gregory's camp used the potential forfeiture of guaranteed money if fined as a way to get out of the relationship? Maybe the Cowboys didn't feel comfortable paying him that much and or Randy wasn't thrilled with staying there. Look, the Broncos were closing in on agreeing to terms with him. The Cowboys swooped in. Jerry Jones personally got involved. This all comes directly from Gregory's agent. And and Gregory said, oh, fine, I'll stay. You're going to match the Broncos' offer, I'll stay. But when they saw that language... And we talked about this earlier. I've written about it. It was $14 million in guaranteed pay next year, Miles, that hinged on Randy Gregory not being fined under the substance abuse policy between now and September of 2023. And if he was, that guarantee gets wiped out. 
And if he's not playing at a level where they want to pay him $14 million, he's cut. And if Ezekiel Elliott didn't have a fully guaranteed $12.4 million salary this year, he'd be cut. That guarantee protects a guy's job. It protects yep. his pay. That's why Gregory insisted on that language changing, period. Yeah, and frankly, from his camp and from him, I totally understand that perspective, and I understand exactly why he would then say, all right, you know, Cowboys, if this is what you're going to do, then I'm backing out. I'm going to Denver where they're not going to do that to me because he has the history that he has, so it makes sense. The nuttiest week in the NFL continues. We'll be all over at ProFootballTalk.com tomorrow morning at PFT Live, and if you have trouble falling asleep tonight, read a, read a few chapters in there. Go That's what I do. Okay. See ya. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.